When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Late night. Midnight on the interstate. I didn't feel so great until I saw the city. Welcome back to Straight from the Source. Michael Russo, thanks as always for listening. Really appreciate it. My guest today, Derek Stepan, the longtime NHL center, played for the New York Rangers, the Arizona Coyotes, the Ottawa Senators, and ended his career with the Carolina Hurricanes. He played 890 regular season games. 120 playoff games, went to a Stanley Cup final, captained the USA to World Juniors in 2010 in Saskatchewan. Uh, so we talk a lot about his career at Shattuck with Wisconsin, uh, growing up in Hastings, and and a lot of cool stuff on this podcast. And uh, he announced last week that he was retiring from the game of hockey. Uh, if you're a Wild fan, actually, I think you know that he was retiring because uh, he's been around the Wild nonstop since the start of the Rookie Showcase against the Blackhawks and the Blues earlier in uh, September. Um, it's hard to miss Derek Stepan. He's a very recognizable face. Um, and uh, frankly, uh, every time he walks around the wild rink right now, he looks like he could still play the sport. And at 33 years old, maybe they should just sign him and have him just take draws or you know, win a face-off, go to the bench. I don't know. Uh, he, he looks like he could still play the sport. Um, and we know how the wild needs centers. But he is moving on. I, I talked to Bill Guerin about this. It was in our Monday Insider, Joe Smith and myself. And hopefully everybody read that story um, with uh, Twins players talking about what it was like to be at the game. And they're going to Tuesday's game three as well. Uh, but they were at the game where they, they clinched to move on and, and they beat the Toronto Blue Jays to move on to this Houston series. Um, but, um, I talked to Bill Guerin in that insider, just about what the roles will be not only just for Derek Stepan, but, and, uh, but also Carl Haglin, who also recently retired from the NHL, um, unfortunately because of injuries and both will be doing part-time work for the wild. Uh, the roles are undefined right now. Bill Guerin says that basically he's going to have them kind of, uh, work in different parts of the organization to see what they like best, where their, their talents can, can help this organization best. It'll start with, uh, Derek Stepan going to Iowa for a, uh, for, uh, to watch the Iowa wild really just amazing. Uh, Derek Stepan, despite such a distinguished career, has never been to a minor league hockey game because he went right from the University of Wisconsin to making the Rangers and what a debut he had with the Rangers, uh, first rookie uh, for the Rangers in history to get a hat trick. Um, so that'll be uh, on 
today's podcast. Uh, obviously, the season opener against the best team ever, the Florida Panthers, is Thursday night. Uh, Paul Maurice, Sasha Barkov, Matthew Kachuk are in town uh, for that game, and then the Wild will go right on the road. I'll be on that road trip to Toronto and uh, Montreal. Uh, we might see Marc-Andre Fleury's final start in Montreal. Who knows? Uh, as we know, Flower has said at the end of the year, he will determine his future, uh, but he's in the last year of his contract and is 38 years old. So this could be it, and that could be his final game. He's going to have a lot of friends and family at that game, uh, No, not shockingly. So we'll see. I still think that Philip Gustafson's the opening night starter. In fact, it would make sense if you're going to play Flower in Montreal, if you're going to play, uh, you know, I assume he's going to start that game. Um, but... It's not guaranteed, I guess. Um, but if you're going to do that, maybe you know Gus plays the first two games, and 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 then Flurry plays uh, in Montreal. But we'll figure all that out uh, in the coming days. Then the Wild come back for a homestand, and then they go on the road again to, uh, I think it's Philadelphia, Washington, and New Jersey. You would think I know that because I'm also on that trip. Uh, and then the month of November comes around, and Joe will be uh, pretty much doing all the road trips in November. Uh, I think there's two one-offs at the end of the month, and then the New York uh, Islanders, Rangers, and Buffalo trip that he'll be on, and then we're both going to actually Sweden, so we will have so much cool coverage um, in Sweden. Uh, I hope that you all, uh, you know, continue to read the Athletic and uh, and uh, and read a lot of our coverage. We've had a lot of really cool stories lately. Um, uh, we have a really neat story in Tuesday's Athletic they can read, um, and coincidentally, we wrote about Kirill Kaprizov's evolving leadership. Well, it has been announced that Kirill Kaprizov will get the A on his jersey, replacing Matt Dumba. Um, coincidentally, though, Jared Spurgeon's hurt. So the person that, that uh, you know, the other real quality candidate to get that A was probably Yule Eriksson Ek. And Eriksson Ek will probably get the A to start the season as well, because the Wild will have three A's with Marcus Foligno, um, you know, with, with Spurgeon week to week with the shoulder injury um, or the upper body injury, I should say. I shouldn't say I know it's a shoulder. I don't. Um, that's just what I'm assuming. Kaprizov, I mean, again, coincidentally, we have this story and a lot of teammates uh, from Zuccarello to Felino to Middleton. Um, we talked to a lot of people about his evolving voice in the locker room. You know, the, he's always sp spoken a lot more English than maybe he's led on to the media and the fans. Uh, but in the locker room uh, the last uh, year or so, not only is he the best player, but they are following him. They are listening to him. And there have been a couple instances where he's spoken up in the locker room to just spark this team along. And we all know how important he is to this team. And so, you know, while a lot of the the um, last, or I would say not the last year, I mean, I've always thought that Matt Dumbo was leaving, but really, um, well, I guess I could say the last year, because I think that in a lot of our Twitter Q&As or mailbags, people have asked me uh, or Joe who would get the A uh, when Dumbo leaves. And I've always felt like Eric Sinek was the natural candidate. He signed the eight-year deal, five million, you know, gave them a discount at, at five million per, um, is such an emotional leader on and off the ice. Um, but in, in hindsight, it actually makes sense that they're going this direction. Uh, they, you know, he is their best player. And best players around the league, whether their English is their first language or not, usually have a letter on their chest. And the other thing is that you know, there's, they've got to start showing him the love. Remember, I mean, it's not too early. He's got three years left on his deal, but it's not too early to start thinking about that they are going to have to figure out ways to keep this guy here past the term of this contract. And in two years, they can start uh, talking extension with him. 
And so, you know, it's another way of letting him feel very, very important, like he is the best guy on the team. So it makes a lot of sense. We'll uh, see what Bill Guerin and Kaprizov have to say about that. But that was the big news of the day um, on Tuesday. So uh, hopefully everybody read the the story about Kaprizov uh, before the announcement. And now it, it turned out to be perfect timing. I have a really, really cool story running Wednesday on Mike Madano uh, returning home for the first time in 30 years, quote unquote, home. Uh, you know, when he left with the North Stars for Dallas in the in the early 90s, uh, he never would have envisioned that he'd be uh, at this point working for the Wild because they didn't exist, but living back in Minnesota. But, uh, you know, I talked to him. I talked to his uh, wife, Allison, who's Joe Micheletti's daughter, um, and uh, got a really bunch of cool pictures to run with the story. The interview with Mike was fantastic. Um, so I really hope people like this story. I, I know I've written a ton of Mike Madano stories. In fact, our NHL 99 project at The Athletic, I did the Madano story for that. But this is a very different story, and hopefully everybody enjoys that. And then part two of my Eric Sinek uh, visit to St- to uh, Karlstad, Sweden, uh, back in August, uh, will run on opening night. That is the plan, at least as of now. Um, part one ran late last month, and part two is more kind of the color of being at his house and all the stuff that goes with that. So hopefully everybody enjoys these stories. Also, Joe and I are working on a really cool story uh, for the following week, I think. Um, I won't give that one away yet because it's a bit of a league scoop, um, but we've talked to a ton of coaches and GMs and people like about that. So uh, hopefully everybody reads that. And then again, opening night against Florida. Joe's got the gamer. Um, I'll be doing the takeaways, which is a new feature that we're doing after every single game um, in the athletic. And then I'll be on that first trip to Toronto and Montreal. And then we'll be uh, divvying up the road, the homestand after that. And I'm on the next road trip. Uh, let's go to some Twitter questions. Actually, I asked uh, to do a, a mini. I didn't think that the podcast with uh, Derek was going to go as long as it did. So I figured uh, I'd do a Q&A. Um, on Twitter, I haven't read the question, so you're gonna have to kind of bear with me and maybe Jeff can tighten it up if I'm umming and awing as I'm reading, uh, questions, but, uh, I won't probably do every single question just because the pod with Derek, uh, lasted about 35 minutes. Uh, so, um, so hopefully everybody can enjoy this. All right. Uh, let's start with, uh, Herbeck Ronick, uh, asked best places to go with Nashville. My wife and I will be going to the Dave Ramsey money and marriage conference to celebrate our 15th anniversary. Congratulations. And they're also going to the Predator sharks game while there as well. Um, Good question. Where to go? Uh, so uh, the West End area where uh, I think it's West End. Uh, God, I'm having a brain cramp right now. I think it's called West End. Um, that's where the the team is. It? No, it's called the Gulch. West End somewhere else. The Gulch. Um, go to the Gulch. There's a bunch of great places there. Uh, there's a is there Kane Steakhouse. That's really awesome. Um, there's a bunch of really cool restaurants there. I cannot remember the name of the restaurant that bunch of us went to during the draft but that was really cool across from the arena is the palms uh that's craig leopold's favorite restaurant in in the city there's a great italian place right next to the arena as well and then across from the arena they've um the old convention center they've built this huge complex of restaurants and um wine bars and stores and everything just really neat there to just go find a really good meal and then down on uh broadway there which is again all right there i mean i would definitely go to to uh honky tonk central the stage tootsies just a lot of really cool places there and then a lot of the like gavin DeGraw, a bunch of new um a bunch of artists also have have their own uh, restaurants and bars there as well so check that out you'll have a blast you don't need my help there's no way to not have fun in nashville walter norris says uh what's the difference between assigning and loaning a player a uh, really no difference um it's technically the same 
terminology. Like if you send somebody to Iowa, technically when the league, when the play team sends it to the league, it's considered a loan. Um, but then there's other instances like the Carolina Hurricanes do not have a minor league team this year. So they have loans different players to different minor league teams around the league, around the AHL, like coach, uh, really awkwardly, um, the Russian goalie today was sent to the Tampa Bay Lightning's farm system to go play for them. When I covered um, the Florida Panthers, they rarely had their own. I mean, they, they would loan players just like Carolina is to a bunch of people around the league, or they would share a farm team in like New Haven. Um, there was one year the Wild, uh, the Panthers were in San Antonio, and it was Mike Keenan's year as GM there, as GM or co- that's GM. So it was would have been during the lockout year in 0405. He returned he was the coach, got fired, returned as GM. That's a long story on how that all went down. State of dysfunction that franchise. Um but Mike became the uh, GM and he got kind of got word that Bomeister and Weiss were basically leaving uh for uh, the San Antonio was awful. They weren't going to make the playoffs. He kind of got word that that they were that they were basically going on vacation the second season and ended. So what he did is he loaned both prospects to the Chicago Wolves, thinking that Chicago would go the furthest in the AHL to keep them playing professional hockey during the lockout. And sure enough, they went to the Calder Cup final. I think they lost to the Philadelphia Phantom in, Phantoms in 05. So that's uh, that would be a loan trade. <laughs> Putting your prize prospects on another franchise's team, which I think was the Atlanta Thrashers at the time. The Chicago Wolves. Wolves. Um, all right, let me go through this. Again, some of these I might not get to. Um, let's see. Uh, Tammy, great question. If I am Sammy Walker or maybe Adam Beckman, where is my path to the NHL via the Wild? I mean, it's a good question. It's it's not bright, that's for sure. And now all these kids are coming. Um so now like all these kids are coming uh you know who's nadina off ogren you're off all next year hunter hate so it just gets more and more stacked right now we all know that the wilds top nine are locked up next year i do think that next year they if they're smart they have 12 million to play with their top nine is set they need a second goalie whilst that makes less than a million now you're down to 11 you have five d back if I'm the wild, I actually take guys like Walker and Beckman and these guys, put them on the team on entry level, cheaper deals, and then use a lot of that cap space to maybe upgrade the blue line. But what could stop that is if Carson Lambos has the year that they hope in AHL or Damon Hunt does, Ryan O'Rourke look good in camp. If these guys are good, then you're going to want to put them on the team next year as well. So next year um, could be the year that we see a Sammy Walker on the team or a Beckman on the team. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, it's a good question, Tammy. Like when they re-sign a Marcus Foligno at, at four times four, it takes a roster spot away from a, oh, you know, not that they're the same role, but a Beckman or a Walker. You know, um, you know, if you re- have Marcus Johansson on the team, that that takes a, a spot away from Beckman or Walker. So, um, you know, I, sometimes like even when they re-signed Ryan Hartman the other day, Bill Guerin talking about Ryan Hartman's time in Chicago, he basically said, sometimes you're just drafted to the wrong organization. And Sammy was a free agent. Adam was drafted. And maybe that is the point now is that eventually these guys, you know, are going to need to be moved or 
um, they'll lose them via free agency and they can start off somewhere else. Because, so, you know, you're right. If, if two of these players, Sammy was in another organization, he might be in the league by now. Uh, who knows? Evan Lodine asks, uh, who in the wild coaching staff do you think could be an NHL coach? I mean, technically, they're all NHL coaches. Um, you know, Darby, I feel like, has always been somebody that could be an NHL coach. Uh, I don't know if he has aspirations of that. It seems like he is very comfortable just being here and being at home and being a dad. His kids are getting older now, and so maybe that will give him a possibility. I mean, um, you know, obviously, I haven't gotten no really Jason King yet. PJ Jindra, uh, TJ Jindra is, is somebody that is in the organization and is absolutely uh, somebody that seems to be on the rise. He just has gained more and more and more um, responsibilities on the coaching staff um, uh, beyond just his video role with uh, Jonas Plum. So that's uh, that's one. Um, all right. Uh, sorry, Alec. I, you just you asked about uh, Derek Stepan's favorite goal he scored. Unfortunately, I've, I've already recorded that part of the podcast. Mitch asks, I know you addressed this with Rossi in favor, but could we see a Boldy paper transaction to Iowa? He would not lose any money with his with his contract. He has 20 games before he requires waivers. Uh, NHL might not like it, but it's within the rules. I mean, I got to think that through. I, I don't think that would work. Um, I get what you're saying. I mean, basically, the, it comes down to if you send Matt Boldy to the minors and he does not physically go to the minors and the league finds that out, you're in a whole lot of, you're a whole world of, of trouble. So that's the that's the deal with Rossi and Faber as well. They're not going to do that. One, you don't you just don't do that with everyday players. And so with Rossi and Faber, if they're not going to do it with them, they're not doing it with Matt Boldy. But it comes down to that. I mean, you know, yeah, there's, there's shenanigans all the time played in the league. But trust me, if the league found out that Matt Boldy was not physically going to Iowa and the Wild were doing that all year long, they'd be in a lot of trouble. So... Um, so, uh, Cindy asks, which charter airline does the wild fly on? Uh, that is Delta. And I think I know who asked that question. Um, let's see. Uh, Paul asked the same questions about Boldy. Boy, you guys are all assistant GMs today about, uh, trying to get the wild more cap space. Um, uh, Brent asked about any regrets, not playing uh, high school hockey. We actually talk about that on the podcast. Um, Nick Johnson saw a post about Murat Huzandinov being traded. Will this help uh, his development and or ice time? Excited for another season of coverage with Russo and Joe. Thanks, Nick. Um, there has been reports that there's a chance. And again, I have not verified any of this. And I did ask somebody in the organization and they didn't know it to be true. And somebody in the organization that didn't know it to be true, you would think would. Um, but there's reports that he's being traded to Sochi. He is not in the lineup a lot uh not getting ice time for his current team it's clear they're trying to you know make him resign again um i do hear the wild had a conference call with him uh last week and that he is just keeping his head up and trucking along and has assured them that his in full intent is still to come here after this upcoming khl season so that's the most important thing if he was traded it can only be a good thing because right now he's not getting a lot of ice time where he is, and it's inexplicable why he wouldn't. Vicky uh, Stevens asks, uh, "Hey, Vicky, uh, what role is Mike Medano playing with the Wild?" Um, he's basically around. I mean, he likes he's in the locker room a lot. Uh, you know, Bill Guerin would like him to work. Um, you know, go down to Iowa, work with players down there, work with their young guys. But he's also, you know, somebody that Bill Guerin will ask at times his opinion on things. He's seen a lot of hockey. Obviously, is a smart guy. But there's no real set role for a lot of these guys. What I love about the Wild's front office now is it's starting to be thickened up like for a while it just felt like one of the thinnest um 
um, front offices in the league. They're just, you know, it was it was basically Bill Guerin, um, Mike Murray, Chris O'Hearn, and Matt Sells, and that was it. And now when you look in that front office, that box during practice, it is packed with people, whether it's Ray Shiro coming to town or Madonna there, or now Derek Stepan, soon to be Carl Haglin working with the team. Um, obviously, now they've, they've really added, uh, starting last year, to their uh, player development. It was always Brad Bombardier, then Paul Fenton hired Matt Hendricks, but then Cody McLeod came along. So now you have three people there. So it's uh, it's it's pretty uh, cool to see all these guys there uh, in and and helping out. Uh, bold take, beers for bold ass. Funniest prank story while playing in the league. Uh, again, these are Derek Stepan questions. So I feel bad. This is this was uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the Q and A was meant more for me. Um, I can tell you my funniest prank story that I remember was covering this. Um, covering this league was um i've told this story before we were in pittsburgh and um mike sillinger played a prank on todd simpson uh where he cut the nipple like the the holes in his dress shirt where the nipples would go so when after the game when he put on and i think he took his jacket so after his like sports coat so after the game at the igloo when the players went to the bus i'm looking at todd simpson and he's walking in a dress shirt and you (laughs) He's wearing a dress shirt with his nipples exposed. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And so obviously somebody played a prank on him. Well, we get to Ottawa. And for some reason, my flight, I think my flight was canceled because of a blizzard, my commercial flight. And so I remember asking Dwayne Sutter, who was the interim coach at the time, if I can go with the team to Long Island. And he said, yes, it was my only way to get to Long Island from Ottawa in time for the for this next game. So I go on the team plane and at the old Ottawa airport, um, the 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 teams would arrive there and they would have to go through regular customs and regular security. It's the same Ottawa airport, but the old terminal, the international terminal. And so as we're going through security there, I'm last to go through security. And Mike Sillinger is standing behind the X-ray uh, machine looking through everybody's bags that are going through and finally he gets i go to him i'm like what is going on he goes somebody stole my teeth and he starts talking to me and he's got no teeth in his mouth anyway fast forward we go to new york go to new york rangers and then i think it ends in philly and we're in philly i finally go up to cylinder i'm like hey did you ever find your teeth he goes uh yeah my wife called me and said uh wh- why have i got a package in the mail with your teeth sent to me and essentially, Todd Simpson got Mike Sellinger back by not only stealing his choppers, but sending it back to South Florida to his wife. So he had to go the whole road trip without teeth. So that was that was your typical paybacks a bitch story. Uh, Terry Clavin says, who now would be the next seventh defenseman? I would think Dakota Mermis. It's the only guy they could afford right now. But I don't think that they are going to call. Uh, I mean, we'll see. But if they know right now, they are healthy without Spurgeon. So if you're going into opening night, so the season starts Tuesday. So you that's when the cap starts. So you have Tuesday, Wednesday, two days of cap space. That's like eight grand. So their eight eighteen goes up to eight twenty six. Thursday, if you don't call somebody up, it's like another, um, you know what eight grand or whatever four grand. I forget the the exact numbers that they gain per day by not having an extra guy in the lineup. If you get out of that healthy, do you really need a, even a, a guy to go on the Toronto-Montreal trip? I mean, the the risk is that somebody wakes up in Toronto and they're sick, but maybe they don't even call somebody up and just continue to try to accrue space. If you get out of the Toronto game healthy, then you have two days in Montreal. And if even if somebody got, out of, got hurt in Toronto, you have two days in Montreal to get somebody up. So I could still see them for at least the first two games of the season, just not even going with an extra player on their roster and just have 20 guys. 
All right. Uh, Heater says, not sure if you've covered this, but any chance Vladislav first off comes back to the AHL? No. Gone. Uh, there was talk of him maybe coming back, and then they tried to get him back, and he decided not to come. Benjamin Lynch asked, what are the Hurricanes doing about their AHL situation? Where will their prospects be playing this season? They are calling every other team and trying to get guys there. I've covered teams in Florida that had to do this before. It works. The problem is, is that, is that say you throw a bunch of prospects around or just even minor leaguers around to find them places to play. And you put one guy in Syracuse, another guy in Iowa, and another guy in Texas, another guy in Henderson or whatever. If those, you know, you're then hoping that another organization's coach whose task is to develop the current players on the, on that organization are going to actually put them in, give them quality ice time, put them in quality positions late in games and things like that. So you're basically asking another organization to take care of your own player and help them develop. And a lot of times I remember when I was in Florida late in a game, you know, if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning's minor league coach late in the game, you're going to play the five Tampa guys that you're trying to develop for the Lightning over that one or two Florida players that's there. And so that's always the risk by not having a minor league team. So this is something that Carolina is going to have to remedy uh, in the future here, and I'm sure they will. Name can't be blank. Asks, uh, extending Felino, Hartman, Zuccarello feel like, uh, feels like the team is now committing the older players again, very 2014-esque. How will it be different this time? I mean, look, it's a good point. I mean, look, with, with, like the Zuccarello thing to me um, makes all the sense in the world. Like we all we're talking this year and two more. There is nobody in the organization that you could put right now on a line with Kirill Kaprizov that's going to get him the puck. So this buys more time for a lot of these kids to develop. The only guy that maybe right now next year can immediately make the team is who's in the DNF just on theory because he's had by that point. Well, we thought 200-something games of KHL, but he's barely playing now. So, um, But he could be at least NHL ready. But other than that, there is nobody. So he makes a lot of sense. Hartman, to me, makes sense because of the role that he plays on this team. You know, the Felino one is the one, and 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 Joe and I wrote about uh, this, and I thought it was a very balanced column just explaining the yins and the yangs with all these guys. And so hopefully everybody read that column, not this, this Monday, uh, but the Monday before on that. The Felino one is the one, to me, um, that is a risk because you're bringing him at his style for five more years. Um, he's somebody that gets hurt, um, you know, at times he his body takes damage for not only, you know, what he takes, but what he gives. And so there's a risk there. Um, you know, I'm somebody that thinks that Brandon do, I think, I probably think maybe high, more highly of Brandon Duhan than the organization does clearly because they have essentially signed his walking papers now. Um, you know, to me, Duhan could have been somebody younger and cheaper that you put in that position. But I think that things that we don't think about are a lot of things that the organization thinks are very important. And I think sometimes as media and fans, we roll our eyes at it, but they live it. And this was a culture signing. I don't think any of us really understand how important Marcus Foligno is to that room, especially in light of the fact that Mac Dumble left. And so that's why Bill Guerin did it. Um, I, but I don't disagree. I get, I get why the fans are in an uproar about this. I think, and the other reason why I get why the fans are in an uproar about this that Joe and I wrote about is that it does feel that Bill has fallen for a core that so far has won him squat. Um, and that is just the reality here. Now, I, the one thing that is disappointing, or not disappointing, that's the wrong word, but the one thing that is probably, um, God, I'm trying to, 
come up with the right word here. I'll just say that the last, and I, this is going to sound like, you know, I think from a fan's perspective, or roll your eyes comment, but we are rolling last postseason's exit in with all the other ones. And I think that we have to understand that while it might sound excuses, sometimes excuses are real. And Joel Erickson was, was out of the lineup. You know, Zuccarello was hurt. Felino was hurt. Goudreau was hurt. Hartman was hurt. Kaprizov was not himself. Shaw was out of the lineup. They they added, the, you know, the John Klingberg move, I really think was just, you know, I got I know they got him for free and that was probably, that's 100% why they did it. I think it derailed the blue line. I think it derailed the power play. Um, it certainly derailed game six because he made the mistake that lost them that game. Um, so the, that one was a bad move. But to me, I think that if you look at that series and just lump them in with all their other first round exits, it's just not fair. So not disappointing, but it's just unfair. But from a wild fan's perspective, it's like, who cares? We got to get past the first round already. This is ridiculous. And I, But Bill believes in this core, and I think that he believes that if they are healthy in the playoffs, that they could beat anybody in this conference. We will see. Um, but to your point, they are getting older. They are getting older. Uh, wild fan seven, any word on the alternate captaincy this season? Um, I just, I just uh, talked about it. It was announced uh, today. Uh, Kaprizov's getting the A. Jerds11 asks, any chance the Wild would ever consider doing a preseason game in Duluth at Amstel in conjunction with the preseason bonding trip? I think it would be a freaking sensational idea. Um, the problem is, is that they don't. the league does not like putting teams in neutral sites for exhibition games. You know, partially it screws up with the stats because everything's done through puck tracking now and things like that. So, um, you know, that's that's why I tell a lot of young reporters don't use like natural stat trick in the preseason because you just can't trust a lot of the stats because everything's just done differently, especially the the neutral site games. But look, I mean, there there are many uh, examples of where teams have played at neutral sites and it works. And I think Duluth would make all the sense in the world. I think Des Moines would make all the sense in the world. So uh, I think it'd be really cool. Um, somebody says uh, to keep on calling this Twitter, not X. Um, I have never changed that. I probably will not. Uh, Twins fan since 23. Wow, a bandwagon jumper. Uh, goes Kaprizov's next contract, AV predictions. I'll go 13 mil. That's what I'm going to go. Jonathan Thies says, what is the timetable for Caden Bankier to be playing uh, games in Iowa? Uh, I was just told it's long-term, so I don't know what that means. Uh, no exact timetable just given to me. Uh, glass seats. Uh, how many bad flurry games does it take for Dean to make Gusty the clear number one? Uh, we will have to see. Let's see if there's any bad uh, flurry games to start with. We don't know that yet. Um, at least in training camp, he looked really good. Uh, I thought Gus looked great too. I would think that Gus starts opening night. Um, again, if it were me, I'd probably play Gus the first two games and Flower the, the in Montreal. Um, but you're going to need both these guys. I mean, that's just a fact. There's like just look at the stats. Very few goalies play more than sixty games anymore. Very few. Um, you need guys to play uh, both, and then the hope is then you have one fresh one in the second half that gets anointed as the as the as the guy. I mean, look at what the Islanders did. They resigned both Varley and Sorokin, um, and you know they're going to use both of them. So uh, we'll see. Uh, real fun podcast with Derek Stepan coming up. Uh, thanks as always to listening straight from the source. And uh, here's a word from one of our sponsors. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, as mentioned, uh, really happy to be joined by Derek Stepan, a veteran of 890 regular season games, another 120 in the playoffs with the Rangers, Arizona Coyotes, Ottawa Senators, and Carolina Hurricanes. And uh, man, uphill from your uh, from your NHL debut where you had a hat trick, you went to the Stanley Cup final in 2014. You scored the overtime and series uh, clinching goal to beat the Washington Capitals in Game 7 in 2015. And and everybody in Minnesota remembers when you captained the World Junior Team in 2010 to gold medal. And uh, Derek, well, congratulations on an incredible career. Um, you know, w- what's it feel like to, to look back now and, and realize that you're moving on to the next chapter in your life? Well, first of all, I'm obviously grateful for the opportunity to, you know, uh, kind of live out a dream of playing in the National Hockey League and had some great organizations and great people that really helped me get there. Um, but yeah, now it feels, you know, it, it's, it's certainly a different feeling, right? I mean, I'm, I'm done playing hockey and, you know, I, I didn't get myself ready for camp this year uh, or I didn't go through camp and get myself ready for a regular season per se. And um, yeah, it seems strange. I mean, I've, I've, I have missed camp before, but it, it seems strange that there's not a lot of, uh, um, not a lot of ramping up going in my mind, at least getting ready for a 82 game schedule. Yeah. And, and, you know, Derek, I've gotten to see you down at the rink uh, every day at Tria because you're going to be moving on to, uh, to a role here with the Minnesota Wild, your, your hometown team that you never got to play for, um, which we'll talk a little bit about. But, but that is, you know, to me that, you know, I do find it interesting watching you walk around because if you were not wearing a Minnesota Wild golf shirt, you would look like you were playing for the wild. I mean, that that's the shape that you're in. That's uh, where we just saw you step off the ice last season with the Carolina hurricanes. Um, you know, has it been a little better, bittersweet and, and awkward when you, you know, f- quite frankly, you could probably sign with the wild right now and help them. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I told my wife this, um, you know, I thought maybe watching, you know, camp and, you know, watching the games, uh, I got to go on the road to see a couple of the the road games. I, I thought that, you know, maybe I'd sit up there and watch and be like, man, I miss this and I should be down there. And I haven't really had that urge. Um, mm-hmm. So it feels right. It feels like uh, the next chapter has been um, uh, been on hold for a little bit and it's it's ready to start. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, about your career a lot, but you know, one thing you said to me the other day that I was fascinated by, and it and it, you know, really brought me back to what your career has all been about. Is is you said you're going to Iowa this week to go to watch the Iowa Wild, and you have never even been to a minor league hockey game, and it it really made me remember that you, I mean, you were a guy that stepped right out of college right onto an NHL rink. Um, you know, how, how hard was that at the very beginning of your career to go right from Wisconsin to signing your first contract and then, and then stepping in and getting a hat trick in day one? Yeah, it, it's, it's funny because when I left Wisconsin, um, no one really knew what the plan was. I mean, the Rangers said they wanted me to come to New York and sign a pro contract, but I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if that meant I'd start in, um, in the minors or if that meant that I would start uh, even further back, because I was still of age, I could have played in the the CHL. So we didn't really know what to expect. Um, 
they, you know, Torts was just taking the team over and he was pretty adamant that he wanted to go younger and he wanted, he wanted some guys there in camp that he, you know, could, you know, push for a spot. And, um, that's the way it went. I went to, uh, uh, Traverse city and had a really good Traverse city. And then everything just kind of started blurring together. I had a really good Traverse city, had a really good camp. I played all six preseason games and they're like, you're going to stay for a game and we're just going to kind of see. And, I scored a hat trick and, you know, Torts is like, hey, you bought yourself 20 games. You know, we're going to see where this goes. And then and, um, I didn't play a whole lot after the first two or three games. I was averaging low minutes. I, was, I, I wasn't getting on the ice much. And then and like game 22, Torts brought me into his office, 23, and he was like, hey, get ready. You're going to play tomorrow night. And I was playing with Gabbert Kontroloff and, and that was it. So, yes, I've been very blessed in uh, Silver Spooner didn't haven't seen any minor league games so i'm um, looking forward for that opportunity to check out some of that stuff what um wh- where do you see this role going uh with the wild I-, I talked to billy the other day and he said really with you and carl Haglin to him he wants almost you guys to write your script that he said this is the way it was done with him in pittsburgh is that first of all you're fresh off the ice he wants you to get your family time in and you've you've you know you've you've been mr mom here this week uh putting your kids to bed right before this podcast and all that type yeah. of stuff um so he thinks that's very important is to get some family time with uh with your kids and your wife but then also you know get to experience different part uh, departments of the organization go to Iowa scout some games be in the front office maybe in the coach's room is is that uh exciting for you to sort of like get a little ga- you know gauge exactly what you want to do yeah I, I mean I'm grateful for the opportunity I mean he this is a really cool and unique uh situation where I get this kind of I don't even know if this pass to just check everything you know get to get to see everybody and and I think that's that's kind of where it's at right now in my head is like, I just want to go and, and check it out. When me and Billy first started talking about this, I I asked him what he thought would be the best way to do it and how he went about it. And he said a lot of it was this this way. So um, I kind of let him guide it into what he thinks would be a smart way to go about it. And I think right now that is exactly it. It's just, hey, we're just going to you know check all the boxes and get a, little, get a look at everything and, and see which way... Um, maybe I get pulled to or or what what that might be going forward. But um, the great thing about Billy is he's been very adamant about making sure that I take time at home. And, and that's, that's probably the most important job uh, to start this mm-hmm. year. My first year out is making sure I'm spending time here with the crew and, and, and getting that family time that, you know, you miss a lot of it, you know, when you're playing, you know, it's been, you know, seven seasons since my oldest, he's turning eight in October. And then, you know, my daughter is six and my youngest is three. So, you know, it's been a lot of time away and my wife's put in her work too. Um, it's not just my retirement. It's also a little bit of a, a, a thing for her too, because she put the work in too. So it's right now, that's the best way to put it. It's just kind of overseeing everything. And how did, uh, what somebody did ask, how did this all come about? Did you just like one day knock on Billy's door because he lives down the street or how, how, how did that come about? Yeah. He walked by with his dog and, I just said, Hey, if you got time, I'd love to go sit down and have lunch with you. And, and, um, you know, it's one thing that I always did is, uh, I always try to talk to hockey guys whenever I see them, even if I didn't really know them. And I, I don't know Billy, uh, you know, I've, in my career, I probably 
you know, since he moved in is probably when I started to get to know him a little bit. So he walked by, we went and had breakfast and this thing kind of just developed into what it is. That's really cool. Um, and of course with Billy's dog, this dog is like the size of Billy. So it'd be easy to see that dog coming down the street. So the first time he walked by, he was walking Lando. So (laughs) that's, that's how I stopped him. And Lando was like ready to go for a walk. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll text you. And let's try to line something up so we can go and chat. And really that was what it was going to be. It was just a chat and see where it was going. And then I didn't know what he was going to have in store for me. And again, I've, I can't say it enough. I'm I'm grateful for a, a really unique, cool opportunity. Um, uh, Jason wanted to know on Twitter uh, if you could talk about your decision and not play high school co- hockey and instead uh, uh, attend Shattuck. I I looked at your Shattuck numbers today. My God, uh, you just lit it up there for a couple of years. Uh, who were some of your teammates, and and what was that decision like? Yeah, so um, I had a uh, in Hastings. There's uh, two older uh, kids. Uh, they were probably two, three years old. So there's three years older than me because I, I didn't, I didn't get to play with them. Um, two Hastings kids that had left Hastings and went to Shattuck and I was skating with them the one day and they're like, you gotta, you gotta go check it out. And I was like, well, I don't, what are you talking to me for? And oddly enough, their parents had talked to mine and said, gotta go check it out. We went down to a visit and, you know, it was one of those things where when we when I decided to leave, that was when I made the decision. Like, all right, we're all in now because this is a big commitment, and um, I'm so grateful for Shattuck St. Mary's. It was it was uh, it was incredible. It was it was some of the best opportunity for me to to advance my career. Um, the education part of it made college transition and a heck of a lot easier. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty blessed to be able to, A, have like a guy like Coach Ward put some trust into me and, um, that, that whole school to, to allow me to use them and piggyback off them to get to where I want to get to. So, yeah, it was, it wasn't like an easy decision because I had all my high school buddies and you grow up watching high school, state high school hockey tournament. And, uh, but once we went down to our visit there, it was, it was no doubt what our family was going to do. And we knew that this was what, what I was going to want to do. And, and we, and we committed to it and it really worked out. I had some good opportunities down there, played some good hockey and got myself a college education uh, pass to Wisconsin and just kept growing from there. So yeah, we're grateful for it. And then you go on to the world juniors in, in 2010, uh, lead the tournament and scoring all tournament team, unbelievable team of guys like Chris Kreider, your eventual teammate with New York and, um, and, and you win gold. I, I actually, that's the first time I ever talked to your dad was after that, uh, <laughs> after that tournament, he called me, I was working for the star tribune at the time. I don't think he loved the coverage of world <laughs> juniors. And I, I did feel bad. I remember calling you up and calling Jake Gardner up to almost speed, write a, a story after the fact, uh, because I felt so guilty, but what a team, a bunch of Minnesotans on there. If I remember Danny Christo, Jordan Shearader, Mike Lee, I think Mike Lee's tackling North Dakota, but I was considering yeah. him a, a, a Minnesotan. What was that whole experience like up in Saskatchewan? Well, that one was cool. I mean, that was, uh, first of all, I had, you know, the coaches were, the coach Ward was an assistant coach and my, Marco Siki was the other assistant. So I had wow. some, some ties there and, uh, Dean, um, um, Oh my gosh, why am I blanking on his name now? Oh my goodness. What's his name? Dean, help me out here. I'm a, it's going to bother uh, me. Who's uh, that? 
Oh, the head coach of uh um in 2010 was was uh Dean Blaze. Dean Blaze, thank you. Yeah, so yeah. sorry, Dean. Yeah, if yeah. you watch it, that's my bad. I should so <laughs> Dean Blaze was the head coach, and um we had just like a close-knit group. Um obviously we went up to Canadian soil, we play them on New Year's Eve, and we're up two goals, and they come back and beat us in a shootout. And we get to the gold medal game and we're playing Canada again. And and the building was so loud. I mean, it was one of the loudest buildings I played in. It wasn't the loudest, but it was extremely loud when they tied it up to go to overtime again. Um, yeah, it was a really cool experience. It really was, I mean, obviously it was a big stepping stone for me in my career. I think it really put me on the NHL radar for the Rangers and, and, and yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it really was. I, mean, I, I remember that game. Uh, actually, Cannon almost came back as well. You guys held on late. Um, and it was just a, a I mean, huge pride, I think, second gold medal ever in, in World Juniors. Uh, and obviously, the, the Americans have won a couple times since. Um, your, your dad, obviously, a huge influence on your career. I mean, he, I know that you guys talk hockey almost after every single game of your, your career. Yeah, we talked a lot of hockey. It, it it's pretty uh it was pretty seamless it was you know before the game i'd call him i'd call him after the game um still i still call him today uh mm-hmm. you know he's working with janesville in the nhl and still we still talk hockey all the time and and just keep in touch uh uh with the hockey world um you know we'll talk about anything i mean we talked today about the darlene signing he's just the the <laughs> hockey environment that i grew up in and it's just a big part of me and my dad day to day relationship is is what's new and what 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 can we talk about? I understand he still beats you on the golf course though, even though you could drive it probably a mile. Yeah, he 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 is <laughs> he has done a pretty good job of getting in my kitchen to beat me <laughs> on the golf course. Um, I think I got him last time though. So if he gave you that information, you're only as good as your <laughs> last win, Brad. <laughs> it's so funny i'm doing this story on mike madonna and i was talking to his wife yesterday who was a pro golfer joe micheletti's daughter yeah. and uh i asked i'm like who's better on the golf course he's like well on a normal day he's better but i know how to beat him because i just go right to his head like yeah. he's like, i could just absolutely just derail his game with just a couple words every single round they play against each other so i kind of that's, that's brad kinda, i mean he can yeah i, I can appreciate that good for me he he finds a way to get in me, my kitchen pretty quick. Um, let's move on in your in your career. Uh, let's talk about Arizona a little bit. I, you know, I got a lot of uh, uh, tweets from people that that are huge Coyotes fans, and and uh, Cheryl asks, I know the trade from Arizona came at a bad time and had to be hard, but what were some positives from this, your time in uh, Arizona, where you were an absolute fan favorite? Well, I I had a lot. Um, I mean, my family was me and my family were down there for three years. Uh, I went to Ottawa and got hurt and I came back and we lived there the rest of the time. So we lived there for four years. Um, Obviously, the people in Arizona are amazing people. I mean, the sun makes you happy. How can you be upset when you (laughs) live in Arizona every day? Um, Hockey wise, um, it was really cool to be a part of um, something that, you know, was building and and you had we had a new coach when I first came in. Chaika just had gotten the job. Um, and it was just fun to build together as a group and, um, you know, everyone can discredit and say what they want, but we did make the playoffs my last year there. Uh, even though it was a COVID year and you had a play in game, I still count it. Uh, it feels like <laughs> a, a nice little cherry to have, um, for, you know, a, a long stretch and some really hard times too. I mean, there was, 
it was some bad ones. I mean, my first year there, I don't think we won in regulation until like game 21. Um, we had some overtime and shootout wins, but our first regulation win was like somewhere in the 20s or sure, just short of it. So there was some definitely some hard times and some growing pains, but a great group of guys uh, team on the team, coaching staffs that uh, were amazing. Um, a lot of fun. And, and obviously, the desert's a great place to live. Yeah, I mean, the league has made it pretty clear that they've got to have a decision on their permanent home by mid-season, January, February. They're going to have to make some tough decisions, and one of them clearly is maybe moving the team to to Salt Lake City. Um, how much do you hope, though, that they could figure this out? Because, uh, you know, I, I think when you play for Arizona, you actually realize um, that there are a ton of hockey fans down there, and, and it's got to be, at times, they've got to be, the, the fan base feel beaten up by um, just the instability that's always been off the ice with that franchise. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I like I said, I was there for a short time and there's some people that live in Arizona that probably have uh, more weight to talk about in this. They've gone through it a lot longer than I did. Um, the, I, without getting too technical into it, in my opinion, I, I just think it, it's such an amazing place to live. And if, if they can figure out a way to make it work, I, I think it's going to be a destination spot for guys to want to play. Um now there's a lot of hurdles and jumps to, that they have mm-hmm. to happen. And when I was there, you always heard that the, they're trying to do it. They're trying to do it, and they got to continue to do that. They got to continue to push if they wanted to keep it. Um, whether it works or not, I'm not. I'm not educated enough on it. If it's if it's going to be a slam dunk, but from my short time there, if you could figure out how to keep people there, it, it'd be one thing that uh, you know a lot of guys in the league would want to do. Um, Arizona uh, Coyotes former teammate Alex Goligoski, uh has a question for you. He, uh, mm-hmm. he 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 messaged me and said that it used to rattle him that uh, and Jason Demers that every single restaurant that you would go to that you would order just a filet mignon and a side of Brussels sprouts. Why is that? Is that the only thing that you eat? No, I, they it, it, honestly. It became a thing with them, that group, for whatever reason, they just thought that that's what I was, I don't know. I mean, we go to a steakhouse, what do you order? I mean, typically people <laughs> order the same thing. I don't know. I'm not the only guy that orders the same thing when you go to a steakhouse, but they, they started building it. So it we kind of became the running joke. Like we'd be getting on the plane to go to some city and be like, hey, you want to head to so-and-so? And I was like, yeah, let's get it. I'll get a filet. And they'd start joking that that's all I ever order. But <laughs> <laughs> and I do like my fillets. I mean, I guess maybe I don't know. I mean, I'm. I guess I didn't always try to break the bank like they did. They'd always get the <laughs> tomahawk for two and, and and surf and turf with it. So right, they, were the, they always were taking advantage of it. And the three hundred dollar bottle of wine and all that stuff. Yeah, that's them. Yeah. That wasn't me. I was the, I was the the light expense on the on the night. My colleague Joe Smith did a really fun story last year where he went. He basically went to the Goligoski's home and cooked with them. So I know that he he's got a broad palate where he could just you know make and loves to eat everything. So I'm with you. Yeah. Filet, filet is perfect. Him and his wife are uh, amazing cooks and uh, and and yeah. chefs. I, I shouldn't call them cooks. They're chefs. The two of them. They their throw together meals are in, incredible. And you know I. I so yeah, he probably is a foodie and I'm not. So I get the hard time because <laughs> I keep it simple. But yeah, it was, it was like I said earlier to kind of as much as I don't want to give him credit that that was one of the highlights of the group in Arizona too. We had some great guys down there and we had a lot of fun. And yeah, obviously 
there's work that always comes into an NHL season, but for some reason, those groups were able to work and play and have some good times with it too. Um, he also said that you loved that without a doubt at the end of every meal, you would just retire to your room with a small bucket, which, <laughs> which I assume is a driving range uh, term uh, yeah. for beer, uh, yeah. small bucket and just watch hockey, which I, which I just think says everything about you because a lot of NHLers don't want to watch hockey. I remember when I covered Pavel Burry in Florida, he literally before the game would ask me who the top scorers on the other team was, who are the goons, who, what the record was. Like he had no clue what was going on in the league, but you, you would, you watched hockey. Yeah, it was it was a small bucket or a large bucket, depending on who was going to come <laughs> watch hockey with me. You know, I always had to ask him, like, "Hey, you guys coming or not?" Um, but yeah, I well, I just would, you know, when you're on the road and you're away from your family, it's it's sometimes it's hard to sleep. So the best way I could do it is 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 watch hockey, and so that's what would happen. Is after dinner, we'd you know it'd be seven thirty, eight o'clock, and we'd go turn on the games. You get the end of the East, and then pick up the West. And so that, I mean, that's kind of just, it was the routine that I was doing at the time. That's awesome. Um, a couple more for you, Derek, and then I'll let you get on with your day. Um, but uh, you know, it is, it is interesting. I mean, watching you walk through the room now and you got Matt Zuccarello in there and Alex Goligoski, former teammates. Well, like whenever I ask Zuccarello for a list of the top players that he's ever played with, you were right there in the top one or two. Um, you know, it seemed like that you guys had a great relationship in New York. Uh, one, how weird is it to kind of now be uh, working for an organization that has these two still at players in their mid thirties? Um, and two, uh, you know, from Zuccarello specifically, um, how amazing is it the fact that he is still able to play at such a high level at age thirty six, and he just gets the extension? Yeah, I mean, Zuc is uh, the one thing about Zuc is he makes everybody on the ice better, and it's it's a it seems like a silly thing to say, but it is a skill set. And, you know, there's some players that are really good, but they might not make the the two guys they're playing with that much better. And Zook is like, that is his quality that he is just unbelievable at. Is Everyone that plays with Zook has success. Everyone ha- plays with Zook has fun. And he's just an incredible, gifted player. And, and to... You know, both him and Goose both to be playing at the age that they're playing now is is I mean, it just says how how talented they truly are, and and you know, ultimate pros. You you just don't play that long unless you are unless you are that that way. And um, two talented guys, and yeah, it's 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 been a little strange, but Zook already kind of made me feel bad about it, saying I have a change. You know, it was probably a day into it, and he says you go to the other side, and you've already changed. But that's just, <laughs> I told him that he was just jealous. But yeah, he those guys are awesome guys, and yeah, it's it's been cool, it's been fun. You could you could tell Matt's, hey, you know, they weren't going to extend you until I put in my two cents. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, um, yeah, I told him, I said he better Billy better not give me any any rain to do whatever I want because the first thing I'm doing is trading them. <laughs> um, a couple more for you. Um, I wanted to ask him about another one of your former teammates and somebody that you battled with. You, I mean, at Wisconsin Rangers, somebody you battled with also in high school, and that's Ryan McDonough uh, when you were younger. Tell, tell me about, like, I mean, it started as you guys were rivals as younger guys, right? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say we were, like, we were, like, crazy rivals. Creighton was a little bit higher up the food chain than the Hastings Raiders uh, at the time. We had two games against each other a year. One in our building, one in theirs, and um, Mac was just—I mean, Mac was insane in high school. He still is insane, but he was—he was a beast in high school. He 
you know, they won state championship and obviously he was a big part of it. And then he goes on to Wisconsin, was an incredible player at the University of Wisconsin. We came up a little short and then he goes to um, the NHL level and he wins a couple of cups. So um, there's a reason why everybody always talks about Ryan McDonough. It's because he's just a winner. And that's just, that's just the way he is. Isn't there one story where you like dipsy doodled around him in high school and then he blew you up the next game or something? Yeah, it, it spun a little out of control mostly because I lied about it, but that's <laughs> not nor here nor there. There was a game when we were in high school where I wouldn't even say I got around him. I literally just kind of shot it past him. Like I maybe got a little to the outside of him and shot it past him, but it, by no means did I beat him. And I, I told everybody when we got to New York that, you know, the reason why he decided to come to Wisconsin because he didn't want to get walked by me anymore. <laughs> but he was he was quick to remind everybody that uh, the next night, the next time we played him in Creighton, I had another one on one against him, and I'm pretty sure that he threw me about five feet. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I always say we're one and one. He'll claim that the first one was a tie and it wasn't his fault, and that he beat me on the second one. So he says. <laughs> He's one on one, but I think it's one on one. That's awesome. And then, just lastly, I, I want to talk to you about Carolina, um, where you ended your career, um, Derek. I mean, this is such a good team. Um, and, you know, like, I guess, you know, what I always worry about is that they're sort of going to become the next San Jose Sharks, you know, that team that was just right there and right there and right there and just never quite got to that point where they won the Stanley Cup. Obviously, San Jose came very close in 2016. Um, how good is this team? Um, they seem to have it all. I mean, last year you look at at, at, at the the contender that you guys created there, and it just feels like if Svechnikov and Pacioretty don't get hurt, that you easily have a chance to go and and get by uh, Florida in the third round. Um, how good can this team be this year? Well, I think you know everybody talking about them. It, it, there's there's a good reason why, and it's because you look at their roster, you look at their lineup, um, you look at their leadership, and their head coach and their general manager that they they have worked extremely hard they have good people in good places and their personnel is strong and they, and that's that's obviously the biggest reason why and then you know i think coming to get over that hump and to win it, it's it's so difficult like it's it's really hard to do and um the best thing you can do is while you are a good club and while you are a contender is to constantly put yourself in a position to get there and I mean, every year they're there, they're right there. So you just, you know, you, I, I'm no longer there. And I, 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 you know, I always voice to them in between my first and second years, like, Hey, just do the same thing we did last year and let's see if we can get there again. Cause you never know you get there and, and some pieces fall into place and you go. And, and obviously injuries are, are a big part of it. And I mean, I, I would probably say without Svechnikov in the lineup, it would have been it was going to be really difficult for us to get mm -hmm. all the way to the finish line because um, he's just such a big piece of the club. Um, and Patch too. Patch was only we only had him for three games, um, yeah. unfortunately. But you know, you put one of those guys in because you need scores at that time of the year. You put one of those guys in, and I, I agree with you. It could be a completely different outcome. Um, but you need you need to have that luck, and you need to have you know somebody heat up at the right time and. Your goaltender needs to stand tall, and there's a lot of. That's why it's a, one of the hardest trophies to win. You got to have a lot of pieces fall into place, and you got to play good yep. hockey. So, um, I think they have they have earned the right to be a legitimate contender every year, and they've earned the right for everyone to be talking about them the way they are. 
And I think that, that they're not wrong. They are a legit team and they're a legit contender. And they just, they'll, and they will. I mean, I, I was there for two years. I know the group. I know the guys. They're going to do the same thing they did the two years I was with them and the two years before I got to them. And that's just the way they are. So they'll be, they'll be a scary team, to, scary team in the East for sure. Yeah, I, uh, I was in the building when Pacioretty had the recurrence of the injury because it was happened at the end of the game against Wild. I don't think I've ever been in a quieter winning locker room than, than Carolina's that night. Uh, it was really, really sad because everybody knew how hard he worked to get back on the ice. Um, Derek, let me ask you, I mean, uh, if you had a man bun right now, you kind of look like Burnsy. Um, <laughs> I covered Burnsy here. I live a mile from where he used to live. Um, been to the... Uh, I've been to the Burnsy Zoo. I've seen the snakes. Um, I've never seen exactly what's in that giant backpack he brings on every road trip. Um, is is he somebody that they are going to have to cut the skates off of when he like? I don't see when he retires, how he retires, um, how he would be able to <laughs> just move on and not play the sport. Yeah, um, he. I mean, again, I, he's first of all to play at that age that you have to have. You have to have this ability to understand what it takes. And Bernsey is one of those guys that knows what he's doing. Um, that big backpack is for so that he can continue to play each night. Everything in there. One day, I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to give away the secret because, but one day you should ask him and see if he'll tell you. Um, there's, it's just mostly just to keep him, keep him going, keeping it. I used to tell him that if he, if he were to lose that backpack, he's going to fall apart at the hinges. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's an awesome guy. And I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be one of those guys that, you know, it, it's, he'll go as long as somebody is until somebody says, Hey, Bernsey, you can anymore. He's going to keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it was fun to play with him. I always told him like when we were playing together, I was like, man, if there's a few guys in the league, it was him and Jumbo that I wanted to at least have one experience with at some point. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get him in Carolina for a year, which was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. He's an absolute beauty. Um, just, uh, I had a blast covering him here and he's, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking that last time I covered him in person was 12 years ago, but um, I did tell Mike Sondheim when the hurricanes required him though, I'm like, Hey, just make sure you put that backpack through, uh, through the x-ray machines because there's one unbelievable story here in Minnesota where he brought a bunch of snakes on the plane to bring to a breeder in Detroit. And when Jacques Lemaire found out about it, it wasn't pretty. So, <laughs> well, I, I, it's probably, he does not have the snakes anymore. The snakes are <laughs> gone, but now he has a ranch down yeah, in I know. Houston with like, a bunch of, bunch of animals. So no more snakes though. He got rid of yeah. those. One of the most interesting guys ever. I, there's a restaurant right by here called Sushi Tango that still exists. And I, the first time I sat down with him and, and Sue, um, he 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 was starting to get the tattoos. He had the one on his thing to honor his grandfather. And then he, on the, his back, right in the middle, was a wild tattoo. And I go to him like, Brent, what are you going to do if you're ever traded? And then he like thinks, he goes, I'll just turn it into a giant like wilderness or something. Like, you know, basically covered up. And that's exactly what he did. Like, his back is now just just yeah. a myriad of different things. Yeah. So He's got a lot um, of tattoos, that's for sure. <laughs> he was, I was very happy that I got one year with him. He was, it was yeah. fun to be a part of. Well, hey, uh, Derek, really a lot of fun. Uh, you, Twins going to win uh, tonight. It's game three. Uh, 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 listen, we're, we're, uh, we got, we will be decked out in twin stuff here. And we are hoping that they continue to trend in game two direction. 
Yeah. They just, they just, there's something about this team that just seems special. I mean, it just, I don't know, the way that they played the entire second half and especially down the stretch and yep. uh, all postseason against Jeff Dometz, uh Toronto Blue Jays, I think it's pretty awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. I hope <laughs> I, I mean, listen, we're the Minnesota fans are due for a nice little run. Uh, that is for sure. Overdue, to say the least. Hey, Derek, this was a lot of fun. Congrats on a great career. Um, one reason why I want to do this is because, you know, like I'm always amazed at, at players like you and this sport in general that that put your life and, and your entire passion into the sport. And then you just sort of like one day you get a press release that they've retired. Very few people get that like Mike, Mike Madonna press conference, you know, and, and all that stuff. So, you know, there's you think of how many players that have left this game that have just kind of just left in the sunset and don't get this opportunity to at least uh, talk to the fans and talk about their career. So, you know, congrats on a, on a great career, especially uh, with USA hockey made a lot of us proud uh, 13 years ago. Hey, thanks. And I appreciate you giving me a little bit of a platform here. And I think, I think it's, it's so true that we have a lot of, a lot of guys that I played with that were amazing people and, and, and to have, be able to, you know, give something back, um, to the fans who gave us so much is, is, is a great opportunity. You know, obviously we, in our little, our little retirement tweets or whatever you want to call them uh, messages, we always thank the fans, but I, I truly don't think they understand what, how, how much we are grateful for them. Cause it, it's, it's what the, the whole shebang is for at the end of the day, when you're playing in the playoffs and these people are just, uh, you know, lighting up buildings. It's, it's what makes memories. So we are very grateful for them. And I'm grateful for you to allow me to, Come on and 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 voice my uh, my retirement. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's awesome, and uh, Derek, uh, excited to see what you do with the Minnesota Wild, and if this could be the beginning of a long second career in hockey. And one day we could be talking to GM Derek Stepan. Uh, who knows? Uh, it'll be awesome. Right. So. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know yeah. if I'll be talking to you though. I might be on ban list. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, thanks, Derek. I appreciate it. That's Derek right. Stepan, and here's a word from one of our sponsors. My thanks to Derek Stepan for joining this week's edition to Straight from the Source. It is a pleasure always talking to Derek, and it'll be fun to watch how his managerial career uh, starts here with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, the new season of The Athletic Hockey Show with Ian Mendez and Julian McKenzie debuts on Tuesday on The Athletic Podcast Network and wherever you download your podcasts. Subscribe to The Athletic's NHL's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at The Athletic Hockey Show. Again, youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show. Again, my thanks to Derek Spetbon. This is Michael Russo from Straight from the Source. We'll return soon. <laughs>